Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, the show dedicated to helping high six and seven figure entrepreneurs build amazing online companies and incredible lives. I'm your host and fellow e-commerce entrepreneur, Andrew Uderian. Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And I've got an old school, what seems like an old school technique to discuss that actually has a lot more power than you might you might imagine, and that is direct mailing. Yes, I'm talking about paper, mailboxes, super old school stuff. And yes, I realize it's an e-commerce podcast, but my guest today has been doing some really cool things with with the direct mailing and catalog world. And his name is McGregor Button. He's the VP of marketing over at Link Soul, which is an apparel brand out of California. And he casually mentioned to me one day that they generate, you know, something like 40% of their revenue by direct mailing. And immediately my little antenna went up and, and was thinking, I've never heard of anyone <laughs> in our industry say that. So I wanted to get him on the show, talk about how he does that. And we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the, the level of ROI he sees with direct mailing uh, relative to other channels like email, PPC, retargeting, things like that. We talk about how much it costs to to print a catalog, like one of those gorgeous you know, 30 or 40 page catalogs, how much it costs to print and mail it. I thought it would have been five, six, seven dollars. Maybe I'm naive, but I thought it would have been really expensive. Maybe I'm just getting fleeced every time I go to Kinko's and make a color copy. That's probably more likely. Sig- way less than that. And we talk about you know how really affordable it can be to put one of those out. He covers what I think is a super creepy but also amazingly powerful band and cart sequence that you can use with postcards without even knowing your customer's address, which is really cool. McGregor shares a lot of really interesting things and in a, in a realm and a marketing tactic that we as e-commerce store owners really do not think about very much, which is perhaps maybe why it's so effective. So I'll leave the teaser at that. We'll go ahead and dive in to today's episode with McGregor on direct mail marketing. Quickly, before we jump into today's discussion, I want to thank our two sponsors for the show. Something new I'm doing for 2018. I have a couple of companies with great products, great teams that I feel comfortable putting my name behind that are helping bring you the show this year. And the first one is Clavio. If you're in the space, you listen to the podcast very often, you've likely heard of these guys. But if not, they help you make more money with your store through their superpower, which is segmentation. So they connect with pretty much any shopping cart out there and pull in your your product catalog, your your order history, your customer's order history, and let you create really cool flows in the background that just run automatically. For example, you can create flows that go out to your best customers, you know, people who order a certain over a certain threshold every month. If people like we had one where if people ordered a certain package, product package, it would send them out an installation guide automatically and then follow up with, hey, do you, do you want an extra part for that? It's going to be, you know, a bummer if that breaks and you're out four-wheeling and you don't have an antenna. And it's it's amazingly powerful system. So if you're not using them, you're probably leaving money on the table and you can get started with a free account at Clavio.com. And secondly, I want to thank the team over at Liquid Web, who was well known in the hosting space for their you know, top-tier hosting and support and just came out this year with their managed hosting solution for WooCommerce. So if you're on WooCommerce, a couple of reasons you might want to consider it. One, it's built from the ground up to help Woo run faster, to help with your upgrades, to help with testing extensions and make sure everything is running just, just perfectly. And the second thing is that it's highly scalable. So let's say you sell, just for the sake of argument, uh, Lederhosen, because who doesn't love Lederhosen? And you get featured in Germany's top Lederhosen review site. What well, with most Woo hosts, you're going to go down. They can't handle the traffic unless you're crazy geeky about load balancers and all sorts of technical stuff. Liquid Web is going to keep you up 
going to scale up with that surge of traffic when you most need to be online. So if you're interested in learning more about their solution and want a rock-solid platform for your WooCommerce store, check them out at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquidweb. All right, let's go ahead and get into today's discussion. Gregor, one thing I ask everybody at the beginning of kind of pre-interview is what they're most excited about in life or business or health. And, and you mentioned just the company, LinkSoul, that you're, you're excited about the brand and, and, and what it's doing. And I wanted to ask you about that. We're going to get into direct mail in just a minute. But in your role in that, can you talk to me a little bit about the brand? Because I was, when I was researching it, looking at it, you know, it's, it's kind of this interesting mix of a California-based surfing beach brand with a golf heart mixed in there as well. And, and for someone who's not a part of that or someone, if you were pitching me that, I'd say they were very different demographics, you know, kind of the, the, the surfing and the golfing. But you seem to have married them beautifully. How does that work? Talk to me a little about that. You know, it is kind of an unusual intersection, but but what I'm finding, you know, really does exist here in, in Southern California. And, you know, that's the founders, you know, they live the lifestyle that's portrayed by the brand, which is what I think makes it successful because it's not a manufactured story. You know, it, it really is authentic. You know, we, we've done things like we've restored our local municipal golf course here and taken over running that. So we have our own golf course that we sort of save from going to developers you know, our, our founder, John Ashworth, he's, he's been in the golf apparel world forever. He had a very successful company back in the 90s, Ashworth Apparel. You know, any of the golfers out there have been playing for a while, probably have heard of it. But it's a lifestyle that exists out here for a lot of people in California. And I think it's, it's intriguing and appealing to, you know, people across the country. And, you know, marrying that up with some really killer product that, you know, you don't have to be in California to where you don't have to be a surfer to where you don't have to be a golfer to wear is, is been successful for us. But telling that story, you know, we, we kind of see it as we're not selling golf clothing. You know, if you come to us because you like our, our clothing and you buy it from us and we can introduce you to the game of golf and we can show you that golf doesn't have to be, you know, this sort of inaccessible or exclusive thing, then that gets us most excited. If we could sell you a shirt and get you to pick up a golf club, that's the biggest one we can get. How much of, of the revenue at LinkSoul do you do you guys drive through direct mail? And when I say direct mail, most people I'm sure know what I mean, but I'm talking about offline. So so usually, you know, print stuff that you stick in the mail and people actually physically pick up in their mailbox. So what percentage of revenue does does that drive for LinkSoul? Well that, that of course is a little bit of a tricky question. That's really an attribution question at heart, but I can answer that simply give a little bit of detail. But you know, we go through what's called a matchback process. So we know who we mail catalogs to and then we know who made a purchase. And when we look at that through a certain lens of a certain amount of time and those kind of things, like, you know, we use 45 days, we could see that, you know, about, you know, this year it's shaping up to be about, you know, 40% of our sales coming through direct mail. I think part of that's a little misleading. We have a really huge chunk of our sales that tie back to email marketing. And a lot of, a lot of those email addresses we have because we mailed that person, you know, a catalog. And those are really representative of the downstream revenue that comes from the catalog. So I think looking at it, you know, you, you can never get the attribution picture totally right. But what we're looking at, you know, where is that first order coming from? You know, o- almost half the people are coming from a catalog. And that's shifting a little bit, but it's big for us. You know? So how does the ROI stack up relative to other channels for direct mail when you're looking at the, the, the attribution and the calculations can be a little squishy based on you know some of the stuff that you just mentioned. But when you compare it to things like email, PPC on Google, Facebook ads, things like that, how does the ROI look when you're looking at direct mail? Well, there's an important distinction to make there. So we use direct mail 
pretty much in two ways. One is for prospecting. So it's getting in front of people that we, we want to convert, we want to buy. The ROI on that is, is pretty difficult. You know, it's, it's, it's not really possible for a lot of businesses to make money on that anymore in the first purchase. And that's why you got to look at things like lifetime value. So the ROI on that front is, is not great. But, you know, digital, each ad units is, is a lot cheaper, but the response rate is lower. So digital is pretty expensive too. So on the prospecting side, it's a little less of a positive ROI than our digital programs for us and what we've seen. Where we really see super, super, super good ROI is mailing our buyer file. At, you know, next to email marketing, it's really the best thing, the best lever that we can pull to get a direct response out of our existing customers and drive additional purchases, uh, you know, and increase their, their lifetime value. So the ROI is terrific when mailing our buyer file or our house file, whatever you want to call it. ROI not so great prospecting at a loss when we, when we go after new customers. It makes a lot of sense. So obviously, if you're prospecting, where do you get those prospects? Are you buying, are you purchasing the lists? How are you prospecting and getting those names? Yeah, so that's a great question. There used to be several different ways to go about getting those lists that used to work maybe 20 years ago. Now, the only thing that really works for a lot of people are going to, there's pretty much five or six databases. And these are companies that have been around forever, that have been supplying names to direct mailers forever. And if you used a credit card in the US, they've got you in their database with some transactional history associated with it. So what we do is we take our existing buyers and their transactional data. We feed it to these guys and it's called a cooperative database because this is generally how it works. You have to contribute names and data into it to get names and data out of it. You know, And then of course you pay them on top of that for their service. So we will contribute our customer data in there and say, hey, give us people that look like this. And really... You know, Facebook's finally gotten around to doing this in a pretty similar way, but it's basically just lookalike audiences. So that's, that's right. been around in the direct mail world for a long, long time. And, you know, Facebook's finally kind of gotten on board with that in a big way. And, but really, you kind of think of it like a lookalike audience. You know, you know, you have to go through different processes and mechanisms, and it's not a sort of a self-service interface like Facebook provides. You got to, you know, deal with, with brokers, list brokers, and things like that, agents of these, of these databases. But at the end of the day, you're giving them your customers and what they bought, and they are using various algorithms to give you back qualified leads. And we, you mentioned there's four or five companies. Could you, you don't have to name all five, but the ones that come to mind, could you could you name who those are in case people want to follow up? Yeah, with? sure. And some of these I've worked with for so long that I think some of them have been rebranded. So if I misspeak, you know, I might be saying the old name of some of these, but, you know, a couple of them just off the top of the head are iBehavior, a company called Wyland. One is Abacus, or I think that one's now called Epsilon, actually. Oracle, Wyland, iBehavior, Abacus, that's four. There is kind of a new entrant into the space called Path to Response. And I think there's one more out there that I'm probably forgetting, but that's a couple of them. And how much would, and I'm sure it's going to vary if you're, if you're trying to create a lookalike list for people who buy high-end plutonium for nuclear reactors, I'm guessing that's going to be a probably more expensive list than if you're buying someone who's trying to, to get a demographic who buys, you know, know, silverware or something. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of variation in there. But roughly, like if someone was starting an apparel brand today, roughly what would it cost if they had a thousand customers to try to get another thousand prospects? Well, actually, when the pricing works is, you know, you really don't pay, it averages out maybe to 
seven or eight cents per name after you dedupe your list and things like that. You, you, you match up the list from the different databases. But at the end of the day, you know, in my plan, my assumption is we're going to spend about, you know, seven or eight cents per name that we get from the databases. And that really shouldn't vary whether you're selling apparel or you're selling trolling motors or, you know, whatever else you might be selling. You know, they're just, they're just purely trading, trading names. So if you're just starting out, you know, and you don't have a lot of data to contribute, you know, you can basically still talk to them and they will, they will let you get names out of their database, but you kind of have, you know, a bit of a promise that you'll keep working with them. And as your customer file grows, you'll feed the names back into their database and, you know, support their ecosystem, you know, but that, that's kind of it. So, you know, you're talking, you know, seven, eight cents per name, you know, really you probably, if you're prospecting, you want to mail, I don't know, anywhere from 25 to 50,000 pieces to really get a significant read. That's kind of a starting point in terms of volume, you know, and then you have the printing and one of the biggest pieces of the cost structure of direct mail is the postage, you know, so it, it adds up pretty quick. And then you have creative costs, which depending on how you approach that, those, those could be extremely expensive too. But in terms of just getting the names, assuming you, you know, you've got the, you've got the direct mail piece, you know, designed and, you know, you've got a way to print it cost effectively and get it in the mail, the names themselves, again, just about seven to eight cents per name. And you want to, you want to be taking them in chunks of 25 or 50,000. Interesting. That's so, so when you think about the different, I'm sure you said different pieces, you mentioned catalogs or maybe, maybe you don't, I shouldn't assume. Can you give me a sense of, of what, different types of mailers you send out. There's the catalog, which you alluded to, we're all familiar with, big, thick, glossy, nice, beautiful pictures. What other ones do you send? And, and you know, what, what, what goes into those, you know, determining what different types of media to send to different people? Different well, types? you know, the, the catalog is definitely the thrust of it. And, you know, you, you can test and iterate on the catalog format and the creative, you know, it, it's, you probably don't want to go as wild as you would with, with multivariate testing of digital ads. So you tend to kind of have one <laughs> main piece you said. Now, something else that I think is interesting and it's new, I kind of lump it under digital, even though it, technically it's a direct mail touch point is this postcard program where you we're doing with a company called Navistone. And if you come to the website and you leave without making a purchase and 24 hours later, we're going to send you a postcard and that can be tailored to, you know, have imagery from a category you were looking at. It can be targeted just like a display ad can. You can almost think of it as an offline display ad. So that's kind of an interesting way that we're using direct mail. That's not just the static catalog that we're sending to our buyers or to our prospects back on, you know, the side of mailing those guys, mailing our buyers and our prospects. There's smaller catalog formats where you start to see postage breaks. So that's kind of where we like, to test, you know, rather than, than testing different creatives or different covers, you know, we recently tested what we call a Slim Jim. We normally have a 52-page catalog. It's like, you know, 8 by 10. This is a smaller thing, about, about half the size of it, only 16 pages. And because of this special format, the postage price is significantly less, like 40% less than we normally pay for postage. And that's one of the biggest expenses of the catalog. So, you know, we tested, well, are we going to lose you know, more sales than money we save from sending the small book versus the big book. In the very recent tests that we ran, we actually found that it, it wasn't worth it. We were better off sending the big book to, to our customers. But those are the kind of tests that we do. It's like, can we, can we mail a smaller piece? Can we mail you know, a more cost-effective piece that will allow us to do even more prospecting or mail our buyer file more efficiently? You know, and then we have 
something like I mentioned, the, the sort of remarketing touch point of, of this triggered postcard program. But that's about the extent of the ways we're using direct mail today. The, the triggered postcard program, that's something that I'm guessing you could really only do with logged in customers. You have their, their address because is there any other way you could, I mean, if you could do that for universally, everyone who came to your website, that'd be phenomenal. Well, but this is where you sort of right? get into the, to the, you know, little, little spooky, you know, world of, of, you know, data crunching. And like, this kind of goes back to the databases too. You know, we're not doing it based off of logins. I guess you could probably come up with a way to do it that way. What we're doing is, is we're, we're utilizing basically a massive cookie network. So if you've logged in on any of these sites or made a purchase on any of these sites or identified yourself in some trackable way across many, many, many websites, they're able to match for us. And that's, you know, there's a couple of companies. We're using one called Navistone. There's another one called Pebble Post. I think there's maybe a few others out there. But, you know, we're matching it, I think, probably about 35%, right? So of that bucket of people that we know aren't existing buyers from us or not existing customers, people that just came, prospects that we spent money to drive to the website who left without converting, about 35% of those through the dark magic of, of the big data were able to match up and send them a, a postcard. You know, and, and the cost starting out for that is it's 75 cents per postcard, which you know, normally like, you know, our, our big 52 page catalog would be, you know, somewhere like 65 cents to put in the mail. And this thing is 75 cents just for a little postcard. But, you know, you're paying for the technology that allows you to deploy it within 24 hours and the matching and everything else. And on that program, you know, we've been seeing anywhere between, you know, a three to four to one return on that. You know, of course, you got to factor in the other marketing costs you, you spent to get that person to your website. But, when you look at it by itself, it's been pretty effective for us. And we're just starting to get to the point where, you know, we're tailoring the creative based on what the person was looking at on the website. If you weren't convinced already, 1984 it has arrived. Yeah, it's, it's been alive with the it's direct mail world for a long time. And, you know, now all of the Internet and digital ad platforms and data collection is just to supercharge that in a big way. So, you know. On a personal level, that's, it, that's it gives amazing. me pause a little bit. But as a marketer, I know, you know, as long as what we're doing is good, we're not trying to get in front of. We're not trying to do anything bad. We're not trying to get in front of anybody we don't want to be in front of. You know, it can be a really effective way to to reach out to people, particularly when you're trying to create that demand and not just not just capture it through things like paid search. Yeah. So we talked about a little bit about ROI, rough sense, how you get the names for prospects, or you know, targeting your your existing email list. Let's talk about design, what goes into, let's say somebody wants to start, you know, just a regular catalog. What, what goes in, and it's going to vary based on the niche, of course, but, but what should, what are maybe two or three things when somebody's thinking about putting together a print catalog that they should really focus on getting right? Well, again, I'm just going to reiterate this, you know, the product has to be good. You want to have some other validation, hopefully that you have a product people want to buy before doing this because it is expensive. You know, it's a big cash outlay to get a direct mail program up and running. Now there's various ways to do that, but even a lower end, you know, it's still a chunk of change you're going to have to put out. It's not quite as scrappy as you know, getting up and running us in, in digital platforms. But in terms of, of the creative, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of tips and tricks that, you know, the wisdom of 30 years of direct mail have brought up, but you know, you want to have a really compelling cover shot that goes without saying, I mean, the cover you can kind of think of like, your subject line, right? So you want to you want to give something that's intriguing that's going to get those people to at least open up the catalog to 
pages two and three. And that first spread, that two, three spread is the most important spread in the book. So working at an agency, you see this a lot, you know, you, you have these, these people that are really passionate about their brands. They're passionate about their story. You know, they're, they're these interesting people, interesting founders, and they want to take, you know, the space on pages two and three, and they want to tell their story and show a nice picture, not show any product. You know, and that's just one of those those big mistakes. Like what you do on that first spread could, you know, can make or break the book, honestly. You know, so you want to be putting your best foot forward. Think about the cover as subject line. And then, you know, think about what is your very best, most widely appealing product. You know, put your best foot forward on pages two and three and then get deeper into your product catalog the deeper the catalog goes. And then the back cover also is pretty important, too, because, you know, it'll come in the mail and, People will see the, the the back and the front cover before they open it up. So, you know, front cover, pages two and three in the back. And you want to really have, you know, compelling creative. It depends on what you're selling. With with apparel, you know, we probably spend more effort than you would have to to sell, you know, electronics or commodity goods. You know, we, we go on location. we got to get the right models. we got to make sure the clothes fit. we got to have a stylist there to make sure that, you know, when we you know, take the shot, that the clothes look just exceptional on the guy. So it's a little trickier for apparel, you know, so it depends on what you're selling. Like that creative effort is going to vary a lot depending on, on the product that you're selling. But for us, it's a lot goes into the photo shoot. A lot goes into the graphic design. What about for, for printing? I was going to ask you what it costs you to print your catalog, but the, the variety in terms of you could, I mean, you could go ghetto or you could spend a hundred K I'm sure to put together a catalog if you went to the moon, but maybe, maybe we can, we can move a little bit into the printing. So let's say you've, you've got your, your lists, your names, You've got the catalog designed and it comes time to actually printing it out. A lot of different things here. If somebody's, let's say you're doing a run of, let's say, 10,000 catalogs, what, what for maybe a catalog of, let's say, 30 pages, what, what does that cost? Is that, is that something in color? Is that going to cost a dollar at scale? Is that going to cost six or seven dollars at scale? So, you know, I think a way to look at it is, and this is how we kind of roll up and look at cost and, and ROI for the catalogs, is we look at cost per book, we call it, or cost per piece. And revenue per piece. And, you know, say for us, it's 65 cents to, you know, get that catalog in the mail. You know, probably 10% of that is going to be printing. You know, the lion's share of that 65 cents is going to be postage. If it's, if it's not, you know, a postcard or a Slim Jim or one of these alternate formats, you know, you're going to spend 35 to 40 cents depending on the volume you're sending you know, on postage per piece, 35 to 40 cents of a 65 cent piece, right? So that's the biggest expense right there. Printing, you know, is probably 10% of that total cost once you find a good partner there. McGregor, even for a big catalog, like a 30-page a color catalog, you're, you're looking at 10% of the cost of a 60 cent stamp. It's You're only looking at pennies to print that? You are. I mean, really, the printing companies, you know, various market forces have gotten very cheap, very competitive, and you can, you can print really effectively. Now, look, if you go to somebody and you're like, I'm only going to print, you know, 100 or 500 or 1,000 catalogs I'm going to stuff in my outgoing shipments, which, by the way, is another great use of catalogs, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to pay much more for printing. But if you have, you know, a direct mail program, not even a huge one, I'm not talking J. Crew level, I'm talking, you know, what we're sending through Elixir, you know, maybe 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 catalogs per season. You know, and maybe you have four to six seasons a year, you know, that kind of volume. Yeah, you're talking about really pennies. It's a, it's, it's a penny business. You get down to it. That's amazing. I would have guessed one of those catalogs would have been two, three, four dollars to produce, which is uh, oh, great. I don't know. Are you familiar with the company Everlane? 
Uh, no. Okay. They're one of my favorite apparel companies. And they were one of the first in, a, in the apparel space to come out and say, look, we're going to, we're going to make products at the same factories as these super high end brands, but we are going to sell online, direct to consumer, no wholesale, no added cost. So we're going to sell it to you basically at what, you know, retailers pay wholesale for it. So, you know, at a fraction of the cost, you're getting something that's the same quality. You know, you would you would buy in a very high end store from a very high end brand, and they have you know you should anyway you should check it out. Their their whole model is transparency. So if you go to a product page, they'll actually give you a breakdown for the material, for the production. They'll, they'll show you the whole cost structure for it and what they're selling it to you and what their markup is. And you know, in the apparel world, you usually have to keep that you know pretty pretty oblique. That's kind of radical for someone to open up the robe and show you what that cost structure is. But, you know, when they mailed their catalog and they have a catalog and it's interesting, I, I've, I've only received it a few times. So I think they're just testing a little bit. But even on the back of the catalog, every piece of marketing, they show you what that cost breakdown is, you know, and theirs was like, I think, 68 or 70 cents or something. I remember thinking, well, I, I, I know that they're not lying because that's that's pretty close. And I remember thinking, well, they could probably get a better deal if they, you know, switch printers or something. But, you know, it's <laughs> and what was it? What was their name? Everlane, E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E. Everlane.com. Very cool. I'll check them out. I like that model. It's interesting. What if someone, thinking about doing a catalog here, you've got, you know, all the elements of this. You've got, just to get a catalog out the door, you've got the design elements, of course, the printing, and then the mailing. Should you have a, you know, back when we were talking before we hopped on here, working for, you know, working at your company where you really handled a lot of, not even just the printing and mailing, but all of the logistics and fulfillment returns for brands. So you're familiar with this world should somebody try to patch these all three of these together with different companies because they, the specialization allows them to do a really good job or especially starting out, are there really good choices for someone who can do the design, the printing and the mailing all under one roof? So there are a couple companies that could do that. There's a couple agencies that could do that. My old company, you know, is one of them to plug them a little bit. Phoenix Direct. And they are, can you mention them? They're not actually based at Phoenix. They're, they're based out of Atlanta or near Atlanta. You know, they offer some other services as well, customer service, fulfillment, turnkey thing. But one of the things they do really well is they produce catalogs. They do the creative, the coordination, the mail planning, the printing, the reporting, all that stuff. You know, you're going to end up, you know, you, you'd probably be best to find someone who has experience doing it. And there's consultants out there too. You know, someone you can pay, you know, they call a mail planner. You, you, know, you can pay some of these people just a couple thousand bucks a month. And they will coordinate all those pieces I just talked about. They will help you do your your forecasting. They will help you plan out your mail plan. You know, a lot of these people have been around a very long time, so they're seasoned, and they'll, they'll keep you from stepping in some really big holes. So that's super valuable. And they, they can even help you, you know, find and negotiate contracts with printers. And, you know, that's that's really, you know, you have up to three kind of parties you have to deal with. You have, you know, the creative piece to get the catalog designed, you have the mail planning piece, the strategic piece of that about, you know, what your costs are going to be, how many you're going to send and what you expect to get. And then you have the printing that you deal with. And, and, and most of the printers out there, they'll actually interface with the postal service to get those in the mail. And there's, there's things like cost savings where they can, you know, you can do certain dates where you can co-mail with other companies that are sending catalogs and, and get some savings there. But, you know, there are some places that are one-stop shops like, like, you know, my old company, Phoenix Direct, that was one of the things we did. We try to roll it all up, the whole direct-to-consumer model into just, you know, one party you dealt with. But there are plenty of companies that, that do specialize in, uh, you know, direct mail and catalog production 
just a couple off the top of my head. Cohere One is one that's on the West Coast. They do all those services. They're a consultancy that'll help you get all that stuff done. Not just a consultancy, they'll do the design work and stuff too. You know, Bellardi Ostroy is another one. There's actually quite a few of them out there, but doing it yourself, probably not recommended unless you personally have experience with it. There's just, you know, so much wisdom that you can, you can stand on the shoulders of the people that went before you and hire someone that'll keep you from stepping in big holes and make sure you have confidence in, in spending what, you know, will end up to be a pretty significant amount of money. When, when do you stop sending to someone? I mean, kind of think of the email world, we've got this idea of keeping a healthy list and managing open rates. And if people haven't, you know, opened an email from you in six months, it's probably time to stop sending to them for, for the sake of the, of the list and, and maybe some other reasons. How do you think about that with direct mail? Is it, do you stop sending to people? And if you do, what, what kind of thresholds yeah, do you Yeah, I mean, have? It, it, it's, just, it's not vastly different from the, from the concept of approaching email. You know, you, it's all about segmenting and bucketing your, your customers and then tracking them. You know, what I've seen is that, yeah, like, you know, once you get someone who hasn't bought from you in over a year, those people are certainly going to perform worse than the people that have made a purchase from you in the trailing 12 months. But a lot of times you can justify, you know, mailing some pretty, pretty old customers and you end up reactivating them. In our case, at Linksoul, you know, we've just stopped mailing customers that are, you know, older than two years. But really, you just, you just segment them up and you track them and, you know, you know what your cost is and you know what you're getting from each of those segments and you start to see where it stops making sense and you cut those people out. How do you guys think about, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier on, but attribution and measuring success. One way that, that you alluded to or mentioned was that you can just track, you know who you're sending to, you know they're in your customer database, and so you get a sense of how effective they are. But how, and, and I guess on the prospect side too, if they're not in your database already, you're probably pretty sure that if you mailed them, that was, that was a trigger. But do you tie a lot of things like coupons, for example? Do you tie a lot of attribution tracking with unique coupons for different mailings to, to be able to attribute sales to that channel? How religiously or religious are you about tracking success, tying that, and, and how much are, are you open to saying, like, you know, kind of like that old advertising adage, you know, half your ad spend is wasted, you just don't know which half. How open are you to saying, this is something we, we know probably is coming back to us, even if we can't track it, we're going to continue to do it because we just know in our gut or we, we anecdotally feel like it's working. Well, well, the nice thing is, you know, there's a process that exists where you do know, you know, 100% or close to, you know, close to certainty, you know exactly who you mailed and you know exactly who purchased from you, you know, so you're really getting pretty darn close to having a complete picture. And, you know, I should mention that's one other third party you would deal with is they used to call them service bureaus, old cataloging companies, but basically a, a data company, a company that will take your mailing file, ingest it, and then take your order files on the back end, ingest that, and do various, you know, uh, processes on the data to match back with a lot of certainty who you know. So you don't actually need the coupon codes as a way to say, oh, this was used X number of times. So we were confident about that. You can actually use that match back data with quite a bit of, of certainty. Now, on top of that, you should probably, particularly on your prospecting campaigns that you send out, you probably should, you know, test putting an offer, you know, on the front or back of that catalog and, you know, putting a coupon code on there. But at the end of the day, you know, you could go out there and get a company to do this matchback for you and, and know very confidently, you know, who you mailed and who ended up ordering from you. What, what mistakes have you guys made with direct mail that other people can hopefully avoid? I think some of the, some of the biggest pitfalls, once you kind of get the fundamentals down, you know, would be 
probably under merchandising a catalog that that'll hurt you. You know, having really not enough product to put in a catalog. And now you don't have to have like a 50 page or hundred page book, but you've got to have product density and a product assortment relative to the cost of your piece. But, you know, if you're selling less, you know, probably than, you know, let's say 50 products, there's probably no direct mail format that's going to work out for you. You know, the number of products in the catalog, what you're putting in front of people is extremely important to how that performs. So, you know, maybe going and doing a catalog too early is something that, that can, you know, cost you some money and, and burn you a little bit. Again, super common mistake is not utilizing those key spaces on the catalog. Again, putting that founder's note on spread two and three at the beginning instead of product, that will dramatically, in some cases, affect the performance of the catalog. That's a really common one because everyone thinks their story is unique enough and compelling enough that the story is good enough to put there and that'll <laughs> suck them into the rest of the catalog and they'll keep shopping. But, you know, no matter how, how good that story is, it's usually not the case. And, you know, even Linksoul, even in the beginning, against some of our advice, you know, it, it, we had that note in the front. And now if you look at, you know, I think it'd be really interesting, you know, we do this sometimes. We take a look at our first catalog. We take a look at the catalog now. We look at the differences and, you know, some of the things we've improved on that have had a big impact on, on making that catalog perform better is really utilizing those key places in the catalog well, making sure we have good merchandise density. And then really on the photography side, focusing on product detail. You know, we used to kind of, used to kind of photograph and show product like you would see on a category page on a website. So I'll lay down it's a bunch of shirts next to each other with the price and the information. And that works fine online, but you get a lot better response when they're more romantic shots. And I'm not necessarily talking about it being on a model, but if you have a sweater, you know, getting up close and showing what that texture is like, giving some sense if the item has a unique detail to it, make sure you obviously show that visually, not just, you know, mention it in the copy block. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you're selling pictures. That's what you're doing with the catalog. So you better have really, really good pictures. The quality of those pictures correlate directly to the performance of the catalog. One last question here before we kind of wrap up and, and do the lightning round and closing. But do you feel like we have the potential to come full circle on advertising? You look at, at direct mail, you know, 25 years ago before the advent of the internet and email. And uh, that was where so much promotion came from. And granted, we still get a lot of junk mail today, but I would say the overload for most people is digital on their phones and their inboxes. And, you know, maybe even on TV, on a screen somewhere. Do you think we've come or are coming full circle where using direct mail is going to be an advantage just because it's a channel that so few people online are using right now? I, I think it is. I think particularly for the new breed of retailers out there that grew up digital, grew up in digital, grew up in e-commerce, you know, they've written off a lot of those older tactics and direct mails, one of them. So I, I kind of see two scenarios quite often. One is an old company that, that doesn't have the confidence or the appetite for risk to really expand into new digital channels. And the other is the newer companies that do all that stuff extremely well. They've got all their digital channels like, you know, like finely tuned machines and they're looking for places to grow. And, you know, I think a lot of them might not even think about direct mail. It's not sexy. It's sort of an old tool, but as a result, you know, a lot of those newer companies aren't using that touch point. And I think for us, it's, you know, it's been good. There's, there's a good bit of men's apparel. So that one's not, that one's, you know, fairly populated you know, in the catalog space, but I could think of some other categories of products you're selling where people just aren't using direct mail at all or not, not, 
using it very much. And, you know, I think for a lot of the, the new school guys that have sort of tapped out their growth on these digital channels, there's ways to use direct mail, you know, to kind of push past that plateau and even use it in ways like the triggered postcard program I mentioned, you know, use it in ways that complement your digital program. You know, it's just one more touch point. You know, I kind of look at, I don't care if I'm spending money online or offline. I just want to find those most impactful touch points and, and, you know, fund those to grow the business. Really good stuff. Kind of in closing here on the personal side, I want to lighten around with you. So feel free, of course, to answer these rapid fire. If, if you had to identify the number one thing you're trying to optimize your life for right now, what would it be? Free time. <laughs> oh, who is someone you strongly disagree with? I feel like saying our president is kind of a cop out, but I'm going to go with the easy answer on that one. I think we all know who I'm talking about there. <laughs> How much money is enough? What would be your number of money in the bank? The amount of money in the bank? Yeah, I, I think that one, you know, there's various calculators and things out there, but, you know, for, for, for me personally, I think, you know, five million would be an amount that you know, you can manage and draw from and sustain a quality of life. What's the worst investment you've made in the last 10 years? I'm a huge fan of Blue Apron. When they went public, no, see, I, I knew that was way, way too, too, too rich when they went public. Anyway, that's kind of, a, that's kind of an interesting business. Nice. Well, what's the best investment apart from any business that you've owned that you've made in the last 10 years? Let's see. Well, I'll keep it. I'll keep it relevant, and I'll keep it in the stock market for us. So, not long after Shopify went public, I've been a huge fan of the concept and the company for a long time. And when they went public, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll bet on these guys. Very nice. That one was right in front of so many of our faces that we didn't even didn't even jump on, myself included. And final last question: What was the first CD you ever owned? Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I guess it's got a great. I forget the album name, but it's the one with the cover of Gangster's Paradise on it. Oh, you are bringing back memories, my friend. <laughs> Very nice. Well, McGregor, this has been awesome. I appreciate you you kind of rolling back the curtain on, on some of your direct mail strategies and thoughts and ideas. And yeah, excited to see what you do with LinkSoul in the future. And thanks for not only doing this, but for being a member of the private community. It's been great having you, having you in there. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. I know it's a lot of information and you know, feel free to... Anyone can reach out to me and, and get more information. You know, I would say direct mail and catalog is can be a really, really good strategy to grow your business, but just approach it with the right amount of caution and make sure you know what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, Andrew. That's going to do it for this week's episode. But if you enjoyed what you heard, check us out at ecommercefuel.com where you'll find the private vetted community for online store owners. And what makes us different from other online communities or forums is that we heavily vet everyone who joins to make sure that they have meaningful experience to contribute to the broader conversation. Everyone who, who we accept has to be doing at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales on their store. And our average member does seven figures plus in sales via their business. And so if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to get you know, connected with a group of experienced store owners online, check us out at ecommerceful.com where you can learn more about membership as well as apply. And I have to, again, thank our sponsors who help make this show possible. Clavio, who makes email segmentation easy and powerful. The cool thing about Clavio is they pull in your entire catalog, customer, and sales history to help you build out incredibly powerful automated segments that make you money on autopilot. If you're not using them, check them out and try them for free at Clavio.com. And finally, Liquid Web. If you're on WooCommerce, if you're thinking about getting on WooCommerce, Liquid Web is the absolute best hosting platform for three reasons. One, it's built from the ground up for WooCommerce and optimized by some of the best industry professionals in the WooCommerce WordPress space. They really know this stuff. 
and it's highly elastic and scalable, as well as comes with a whole suite of tools and performance tests to optimize your store. You can check them out and learn more about their hosted WooCommerce offering at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in and looking forward to talking to you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight knit vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you.